Hello, survivalists. This is The Crux, True Survival Stories, and I'm your host, Casey McIntosh, joined by the one and only Tessa King. Tessa King, also known as my sister. How are hey. you guys doing this week? How are you doing, Tessa? I'm doing so great. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? Good. I cannot believe you're risking the potential for getting influenza A, which Ooh. my son Miles has. Great. Like I'm exposing you right now. Like, worst Just- sister ever. All the germs are headed your way. I did get my flu shot, so hopefully that counts for something. Good job. Thank you. You're so such much. an adult. I'm so proud of you. I mean, you. I was getting shots to go to Africa, and the lady was like, well, while you're here, do you want your flu shot? And I was like, that is awfully convenient. Thank you. <laughs> I know. It's funny how sometimes it's just a matter of convenience. It totally not, was. <laughs> whether or not you do, like, so many things in life. Socks in the pantry or not? Or, I mean, the pantry. I mean, What? The, <laughs> I mean, you can put your socks in the pantry if you're, yeah. like, Brady, who's three. Um, but I mean, put the socks in your in your dirty clothes, or just leave them on the floor. I mean, convenience. Convenience. That's the same thing as my flu shot. You're right. <laughs> totally. Okay, so today um, I'm going to tell you a story about somebody who became lost on purpose. Why? I don't know. That's a good question. This is the story about Andrew Gaskell. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. Andrew was a 25-year-old Australian from Tasmania who was out searching for himself while traveling in Malaysia. He purposefully avoided the tourist areas and went to remote villages and, quote, out-of-the-way areas, end quote. He was traveling in October of 2016 in Ganang Mulu National Park. You got to lose yourself to find yourself. That's what they say. That's true. That might be true. So he intentionally left the common trails for a more interesting experience, breaking all the rules along the way and subsequently becoming lost. Andrew was searching for his true self. He's finding his truth. Yeah. Trying to figure out who he was at his core. He described himself as a dissatisfied engineer. I don't know any of those. Do you? (laughs) No. Only um. totally satisfied. <laughs> he was a sometime composer, an avid hiker, a keen photographer, amateur footballer, aspiring writer, and blogger. That's beautiful. I know. <laughs> the funny thing is he said that he was going on this trip to find himself, but it sounds like he already had a pretty good idea about who he was based upon the sentence I just read to you. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe if you're not sure... It's the time to lose yourself and find yourself again. <laughs> I think I need to do that every day, a little bit every day. <laughs> Just really to drive the point home. <laughs> so he said on his blog, quote, in August 2016, I will be embarking on a journey beginning somewhere in Asia and heading in a generally westward direction for an indefinite period of time. My main travel goals are to have a genuine cultural experience with local people outside mainstream tourist attractions and to climb a lot of mountains. And maybe, just maybe, in the course of my travels, I'll come to some sort of conclusion as to who I am and what I want to do with my life. And so begins my journey beyond the horizon. Okay, Andrew. Sounds cool. Yeah, sounds sounds good. Ganang Mulu National Park ranges across 544 square kilometers of rainforest and features fast-flowing rivers and clear jungle streams, as well as one of the largest limestone cave systems in the world. Sounds cool. Yeah. In October 2016, Andrew went to the Gunung this is kind of a mouthful, the Gunung Mulu National Park by himself. 
It is a World Heritage Site that features caves, again, as I mentioned before, and karst formations, which I'm not really sure. Do you know what karst formations are, Testa? No, you should have Googled it beforehand. Come on. Well, I'm just kidding. I should have, but let's look. Karst. What's, what's your guess? Well, maybe it's that's like stalactites and stalagmites? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Karst is a type of landscape where the dissolving of the bedrock has created sinkholes, sinking streams, caves, springs, and other characteristic features. Karst is associated with soluble rock types such as limestone, marble, and gypsum. They're almost like fingers of rock. Okay. That's it really also cool. sounds like cursed. Karst. The karst. It sounds questionable. Arg. <laughs> Arg. That sounds a little piratey. I think yeah. you're changing courses here on us, Tessa. Anyway, there are mountainous, it's a mountainous rainforest terrain. Mm-hmm. It has 295 kilometers of caves that house millions of bats. The highest mountain in the park is Mount Buddha, which is 963 meters high or 3,159 feet tall. There are 300 bird species, 60 types of snakes, 2,500 different types of tree species, and numerous primates. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Including Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) The climate can help. (laughs) The climate in Mulu is affected by two monsoon seasons, which affect the area at different times of year. The northeast monsoon is December to March, and the southwest monsoon is May to October. And rainfall is 160 inches to 200 inches a year. And temperatures range in the lowlands between 73 degrees Fahrenheit to 79 degrees. At the summit of Mount Mulu, the temperature ranges from 57 degrees to 64 degrees Fahrenheit or 73 to 79 Celsius. So it's not overly hot. I'm sure there are times of year that it is. Mm -hmm. Wet weather and likely very humid weather is probably primarily the situation there. It's the jungle, right? Yeah, it's the jungle. And the thing is, when it's wet and moist like that, it feels so much colder than it is. Chill you to the bone. Or so much hotter, depending. On the day Mr. Gaskell went missing, August 8th, 2016, he ignored trail closure signs. On his blog, he wrote, quote, Given that the trail appears to be forbidden, I choose not to sign the walker's registration book. Why would anybody close such a large proportion of a national park in the peak season for walking? I bet you're about to find out. My journey (laughs) must continue. A short distance later, I find myself squeezing past an annoying sign that has been inconveniently erected across the extent of the track, declaring something about a track closure. He ended up running low on water pretty early on. Quote, the further I trek, the more arduous the trail becomes. The heat is really affecting me now. I have never felt this exhausted as long as I can remember. A sensible debate begins in my mind. I consider turning around. Nobody knows I'm out here, and the phone reception is non-existent. However, I'm only here once. Surely I must do this trek while I'm here. I'm eventually persuaded that the short trails are for delicate tourists and feeble old ladies, (laughs) to put it mildly. Not hardened Tasmanian adventurers. By the next day, Andrew decided he'd ventured far enough and wanted to leave the park. He said, I'm hot, thirsty, tired, hungry, grumpy. I want to go home. I give up. On October 27th, his family reported him missing to the Tasmanian police. I'm going to read you Andrew's account as told to Vice because his words really say it best. 
So let's see if I can do it justice. Probably I can't, but just work with me, okay? Okay. I was woken up by a sharp bite somewhere on my foot. Do you want to do that again? Yeah. That's actually the helicopter that's coming to rescue me from your house right now. (laughs) (laughs) She's bleeding out. (laughs) I'm bleeding out. Okay, here we go. Starting over. I was woken up by a sharp bite somewhere on my foot. Trying to find my torch, I felt around the ground to find ants everywhere. Leave me alone! (laughs) (laughs) I muttered. That was a dramatic reading. (laughs) I muttered. Well, if you're being eaten alive by ants, it's very dramatic, okay? Okay, continue. I muttered, trying to brush them off. I only wanted sleep. And even if I wanted to switch the torch on, I knew it would only flicker for a second before turning off. The battery was almost gone. My fingers closed around a small stone. Self-defense. From the ants? (laughs) I started to crush the ants before they could get close enough to bite. My torch flickering on and off, illuminating flashes of violence like an action film. When the last of the dozen or so had been dealt with, I tucked away the torch above my head and tried to find a comfortable position to sleep. The grazes upon my legs made comfort virtually impossible, but they were nothing compared to my throbbing feet. After sloshing up several rocky streams, it's faster to follow the streams than navigate through forest, my boots had rubbed the skin off the sides of my feet. Then the flesh had become infected, so now it throbbed and stunk. The only solution was to drift back into sleep, back into my subconscious. I'd set out for the Malaysian state of Sawark in early August 2016 after losing my job in North Queensland. No, I wasn't fired. Just one day, my elderly boss had walked into the office and decided he was done. The engineering business I'd been working in for three and a half years, the very job that I moved to Queensland for, was dissolving. And I know I'm phrasing this like I was pissed, But actually, I felt free. Instead of looking for another job, I decided I needed to get away for a while, reevaluate my priorities, decide exactly who I was and what I wanted to do with my life. So I booked a trip to Malaysia, which is how I ended up backpacking Sarawak for almost three months before arriving in Mulu National Park. The ethnicity in Sarawak is extremely diverse. The region consists of Malays, predominantly Muslim, several different groups of Chinese and many Dayaks who are indigenous tribes, each with their own unique history. The Dayaks traditionally live off the land in rural areas with their own group, their own unique language, traditional dress, and foods. I found all Dayak food to be particularly delicious. It was this love of the people and their landscape that had brought me to the national park with the intention of summiting Mount Mulu, which stands at almost 2,400 meters above sea level. My intention was to complete the walk as a long day trip or maybe an overnighter. I'd had lots of hiking experience back home in Tasmania, so I assumed I could knock it out. I could knock it over in a day. Basically, I set out overconfident and arrogant when I should have been cautious and carefully prepared. By mid-afternoon on the first day, I reached the highest camp. Since a heavy tropical rain was falling, I decided to spend the night in a timber hut before doing the final ascent in the morning. I finished the rest of my food before drifting off to sleep. At dawn, I set off for the peak. I made it fairly easily, and after taking some photos, I turned back for home, which is when it started to go wrong. With just a few kilometers left to go, I took a wrong turn. 
Several streams crossed the trail, and despite my efforts to backtrack, I couldn't find my way. I didn't panic as evening turned into night because I knew I'd find my way within a few hours, or at least that's what I thought. Rather than keep waiting for the morning light, I kept wandering through the jungle looking for a way out. I knew I was close, so close, but all I did was completely and utterly lose my bearings. As dawn broke, I knew I was definitely lost. I was still confident I could navigate my way out. But then, day two turned into day three, and before I knew it, I'd been wandering for more days than I could even count. I ate very little. Early on, I found a handful of unrecognizable jungle fruits that were sour and unpleasant. Later, I just went for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Later, I found a bunch of round yellow fruit protected by a spiky outer shell, each piece about the size of a large cherry. I forced myself to gnaw the firm flesh from this large seed and wash the bitter flavor down my throat with water I had collected from one of the many rivers winding through the region. Isn't the bitter stuff supposed to be like the dangerous stuff? I don't know. Andrew. He's not dead. True. I could only hope that the fruit was not poisonous. A short time later, there I, it found is. <laughs> I found a similar fruit, but slightly larger and darker. This tasted equally as bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> Several days later, I noticed a local fern called Paku Pakus, which I knew to be edible from my experience visiting local people in the Sarawak. I ate handfuls of these stalks, but was aware I was burning more energy than I was consuming. Celery. These early days were spent climbing mountains and trying to figure out where I was. I then tried to follow the sun in a westward direction toward the area's major river, which I planned to follow south towards Park HQ. However, the forest canopy made it hard to keep track of the sun, while the landscape was a frustrating matrix of mountains and rocky streams. Because of all of this, I found holding a consistent bearing without the aid of navigational equipment basically impossible. So I wandered, climbed, slept, and ate whatever I could. I thought of the people I'd betrayed just for adventure. The risks I'd taken were entirely unnecessary, and I felt pretty embarrassed about what had happened. But having said that, I was never angry about the situation. Instead, I channeled my energy towards finding a way out. I always believed I'd be okay eventually. After the night's ant attack, morning broke with the usual chorus of cicadas. Is that how you say that? Cicadas? No. um, Yeah. It's cicadas, right? They're really, really loud. Anyway, yes. those insects that make lots of buzzing sounds. The loud it's like, it's cicadas. Like the eerie yeah. buzzing sound. Don't like it. No. And birds. I collected my still wet socks and gently picked off the clay that clung to my yellow feet. That's a nice picture. Hmm, I wonder if I'll get trench foot. <sighs> Sounds like he already has it. Hmm. Then I turned the socks inside out, tenderly rolling them on, and slid on my boots. I tentatively hauled myself to a standing position, feeling noticeably weaker, then got on with the day's task of stumbling through bristles, prickles, and giant trees. Oh, my. Uh, mm-hmm. After stumbling around, for some hours I stopped. There was something familiar in the air. A sound? Was that a voice? A human voice? And then I saw in the distance, the timber boardwalk. And I was not sure how I could hear voices, not just voices, but English conversation, people complaining about the heat. My heart rate leapt, and I started making for the boardwalk. As I staggered through the trees, I considered how far the south I must have come to refine the track. I was absolutely nowhere where I thought I was, but that didn't matter. I was done. Out. I was going to be okay. But I wasn't. As I got closer, I realized the timber boardwalk I'd seen through the trees was just a fallen tree. Oh, no. 
help. I yelled to the tourist I still see in here, help. But they didn't respond. What the bleep? I mean, why the bleep wouldn't they answer? Didn't they realize I was in distress? Please, I tried again. And then a long, sad please with a question mark intonation at the end. Please. But no one answered. I wasn't at a boardwalk and no one was near. I was deluded and still lost. And at that moment, I couldn't see how that would ever change. See, we have so many stories when people see civilization and don't think it's real. I think this is the first story we've had where someone saw civilization and it wasn't real. (laughs) I'm sure that happens more than it doesn't. I'm sure it happens a lot. On Tuesday, November 1st, Mr. Gaskell was found by a ground team who'd been looking for him in the forest, and he was winched to safety by a helicopter. Apart from being hungry and frail, Mr. Gaskell told ABC from his hospital bed that he was uninjured, although he did have bites and had been attacked by leeches. When they found him, he had a bunch of leeches on his legs. Following the ordeal, Mr. Gaskell took stock to, quote, assess the damage, end quote. He had scratched arms, hands, and legs, bruises on right thigh, swollen ankle, strained ligament behind knee, grazed toes, both feet, psychological damage, immeasurable. (laughs) On the positive side, I did get to sleep in a cave. That's what he had to say about it. He seems very positive. (laughs) I like him. I think that he needs to get together with Andrew Devers. They both have the name Andrew, and they have a lot in common, I think. They just, like, walked onto a trail they shouldn't have been on mm-hmm. or off of a trail. Take your pick. <laughs> After his recovery, he posted an apology on his Facebook page. He thanked the local police, Australian Department of Foreign Affairs, Malaysian community and friends, and family back home. He said, quote, Dear all, I wish to deeply apologize for the inconvenience and trouble that I have caused. I did not have permission to be on that trail and should have registered for the Mount Mulu guide trip and had a guide show me the way. Had I followed the correct park rules, I would have avoided this incident completely. In the future, I will always follow park rules, and I hope others learn from my experience and also follow park rules. I'm deeply sorry for all the trouble I've caused and now need to rest and recover. His blog revealed that this was not the first time Mr. Gaskell had ventured into the wild unprepared and against local advice. Oh, no. But I think this was the last time. It had to go out with a bang. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm, I, I bet that he found himself when he yeah. lost himself. Like he, <laughs> to just like sum it all up and come full circle. I mean, when you spend all that time with only your own thoughts, you know, it's got to be somewhat enlightening. I, I would hope otherwise, yeah. you know. I do think it would be embarrassing, you know, because you knew full well and you're like all of these resources to find me. And at least I'm not dead, but it is kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Um. You know, I think the news outlets made it sound like he intentionally got lost, but his story that I just read you made it sound like, no, he was really wanting to actually have an out and back kind of experience. Yeah. He just kind of, he just made a bad call. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you, you get your heart set on doing something and then there's some kind of obstacle and he was like, no, no, this can't be true. This path can't be closed. Yeah. And if he would have just maybe accepted it accepted it and been like well that's kind of a bummer but also he traveled all the way from Tanzania so I can see sort of where he's coming from right you know yeah so anyway that's why so many people die on Everest they're like well the conditions are bad but when will I be back to do this that's a good point like I've worked so hard to get here that's even higher stakes I'd say yeah well you think it is 
because he could have easily just died in the woods too that's true i might not be here again and this is my experience for sure i mean there are a ton of people that that happens to in closing andrew said after the initial terror of realizing your hopelessly lost passes the experience settles into a fairly steady rhythm you trudge on trying to problem solve through the fog and hunger your body hurts you daydream about food and people you'll probably never see again you constantly imagine you're seeing a road up ahead or a break in the trees but you never do sometimes you feel weirdly peaceful and other times you're on the edge of panic but you trudge on and on until either you die or you find a way out wow i that gives me chills a little bit i gotta say i like it he's a good writer yeah well he did say that he was an author i think yeah and he has a blog he's so. a He's a blother. <laughs> TM. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Crux True Survival Stories. And please send us a line if you so feel inclined. Yeah. At Tessa. Drumroll. The, the Crux Survival at gmail.com. That's right. Have an awesome week. Yes. Yeah, stay alive until next one, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you.